0: Good morning, Tomoka. How are you doing today? Beautiful day out, sunny. Couldn't ask for more. Hey, today, um, just I, w- I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. Pastor Joe is getting ready to go to Egypt today. He'll be gone for a couple of weeks, but he challenged us a couple of months ago to memorize a chapter in the Bible. I didn't want to let that go by without us mentioning that. Um, he's picking the whole book of Jude, which is one chapter, but he's still picking a whole book. So the challenge is yours do with it what you will all right so um i want to tell you a story today we are gonna uh, what is next week by the way father's day. father's day some of you are like oh no i need to go on amazon and order that um so remember father's day we are gonna honor men next week so today i thought wouldn't it be great if we honored women should we honor women so there's a there's a story um it's an old story about a ceo and his wife they're taking a journey to new england and they were traveling up there and um, as the CEO was driving, he decided he needed to get some gas. So he pulled over into a gas station. And he started pumping the gas. His wife got out and went to go get a Diet Coke, which is the nectar of the gods, and, and a candy bar. Uh, on her way back out, she started talking to the gas station attendant. And it, it was one of those animated conversations like, you know, good to see you again. And she hugged him and he hugged her. And they're just animatedly talking one to another. And the CEO is sitting there pumping the gas, thinking to himself... Man, this doesn't feel good. You know, some, that's kind of weird. So he's sitting there pumping the gas and he puts the gas back in. They both get in the car and, and his wife has just kind of, you know, got that happy uh, thing. She kind of laughs to herself and he's like, well, this is really strange. So they drive a few miles and finally he says to her, he's like, uh, so, you know, who was that? And he, she said, you're not going to believe this. Remember there was a guy I was engaged to before you? <laughs> that was him and I hadn't talked to him in all this time and it's just kind of hard to believe and that you know it's just just kind of reliving those memories and he's like huh drive a few more miles and it's kind of quiet and he's like hey uh you know I just had this thought can you imagine if if you hadn't married me and had married him instead you would have been married to a gas station attendant instead of a ceo isn't that kind of funny and she said no no you got it all wrong If I'd married him, he'd have been the CEO and you would have been the gas station attendant. (laughs) Can I get an amen, ladies? Right. Hey, so there are some wonderful scriptures in the Bible about women. I'm just going to share a couple of those with you today. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Guys, turn to your significant other and say amen. And you're like, yeah, right. Where do I get home? Uh, And the teachings of kindness on her tongue. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. That's really out of context. It's talking about a city, but I thought it sounded good anyway. So can we just honor the women? I'd like you to turn to the woman who may be next to you. Mothers, daughters, sisters, significant others and friends and say, I appreciate you. I am glad that you are here. You make this world a better place. Ladies, I want you to remember this this morning that I did this before we get into our text. We are going to be in Isaiah chapter 32, and it's important that you remember that I did this this morning at the beginning. Uh, Cord, who's our executive pastor, came to me a couple weeks ago and said, Hey Shane, Joe's going to be leaving for Egypt with 45 people, and um, so you're going to preach on Father's Day, and I'm going to preach on June 12th and 13th. But you know, I looked at the passage, and I thought to myself, it's about women, and Shane, I know how much you love your wife and how you talk about her all the time and how you, much you love your daughters and how they're the joy of your life. I just think this would be a great passage for you. I'm like, Court, I was really touched. I was like, Court, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for, you know, having so much kindness and compassion. I, you know, I am honored that you would do that. I would love to do that. And so we switched. And then I went back to my office and read the passage. I was like, that dirty dog. And I went into Pastor Joe's office, who has been a kind and humble, you know, mentor for me over the years. And I told him what had happened. He started laughing so hard that he couldn't speak. And then he's like, Shane, I have been here 28 years. Cord has been here 12 years. Cord is a grizzled veteran. And you've only been here two years and we just rookied you. (laughs) So let's look at this wonderful passage together, Ladies. Listen, you women who lie around in ease. Listen to me, you who are so smug. In a short time, just a little more than a year, your you careless ones will suddenly begin to care. For your fruit crops will fail and the harvest will never take place. Tremble, you women of ease. Throw off your complacency. Strip off your pretty clothes and put on burlap to show your Grief. Beat your breast in sorrow for your bountiful farms and your fruitful grapevines. For your land will be overgrown with thorns and briars. Your joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. The palace and the city will be deserted and busy towns will be empty. Wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers. The word of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. If you came here today for encouragement, you are welcome. (laughs) Now listen, understand that we are running through the book of Isaiah this year. And we know, I said last time I had the privilege of speaking, that Isaiah chapter 29 through Isaiah chapter 35 is a prophecy to Jerusalem about the punishment that awaits them. Now, this passage at first blush kind of seems pretty harsh when it comes to the criticism of the women of jerusalem that isaiah is talking to it's like he's saying hey listen you lazy ladies you're just lying there on the sofa eating bonbons while watching days of our lives the lord is going to smite you and i don't even know what the word smite means but it sounds bad to me But in the context of this passage, you need to understand what's going on. These women that he is addressing have become accustomed to the finer things in life. Because their husbands, their husbands have taken advantage of the poor and the oppressed among them. And what Isaiah is saying to these women is he's saying, Ladies, you are complicit in your husband's treachery. What this passage is about is two things, accountability and a shared journey. Now, I'm going to speak to, to married people in just a second because that's who this, mess, this passage is kind of talking to. But I know that in, in a room like this, there are a lot of folks who are singled, divorced, widowed, singled again, and it may not be your choice. You know, it's hard. I was single till I was almost 39 years old. In fact, I got married one month before I was 39 so that I could say I got married when I was 38. Being single is hard, right? It's not something that many of us enjoy. And so there's a lesson for us single people here as well as married people. And that's this. If you are single, you still need a relationship you need a best friend. You may not be able to choose the time, the place to get married or getting married. You may not have chosen to be single in your present situation, but that doesn't mean that you can't be invested. That doesn't mean that you can't be engaged. And if you are here today and you are looking for that best friend, maybe you are looking for, um, that person of your dreams and Hey, it's a large church. Maybe you'll find them here. I like to be a Yenta. But God didn't didn't create any of us to be alone. He didn't create any of us to walk through this journey by ourselves. And so he gave us the church filled with different kinds of people from all walks of life to come together. And I know as a single person, it's hard for, for you to be engaged, especially if you're an introvert. And there is this desire maybe to kind of retreat into yourself and stay in your sweatpants and just watch TV all the time or stay at home. So single people... This is my challenge to you this morning. I want you to engage. You need someone to walk through this life with. So come up at the end of the service. Go back to our guest services. And I want you to to sign up for a group. Sign up for a ministry. Get engaged. Don't allow yourself to retreat into that dark world of of loneliness, okay? Okay. So that's to the single people today. Um, And by the way, you can listen to the Beyonce song. All the single people, all the single people stand up. Anyway. Okay, married people. If you are married, that means you've already got your person. I love it when I'm counseling people. And and marriage is tough and difficult. When you get married, it's not the dream land that you thought it would be. One of you is brushing your teeth while the other one is sitting on the pot, Right? Romance is out the window sometimes It's hard living with someone else It's hard when you fight It's hard when you have disagreements You're thinking, why in the world did I marry this person? And they're thinking the same thing When I talk to people who are in marriage Marital distress I try to remind them, look You have your person Don't let it go by the wayside You invest in them, you love them You forgive them, you challenge them which is what this passage is talking about. Listen, when I was in Bible college, the greatest pickup line was, how about me, you and Ecclesiastes chapter four. I'm going to read that for you today because we all need this. Look at this passage. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm but how can one be warm alone a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken the three that he's talking about is you your spouse or your best friend and the lord right so what he is saying in this text is he's saying ladies you are complicit because you haven't challenged your husbands when they were doing the wrong things. You were complicit because you didn't stand up and speak for truth. You are complicit because you are the one that God put into that marriage in order to speak into the life of your mate. And by the way, husbands, it goes both ways for us. You see, what does love do? It protects, it defends, It fight for, it fights for. It also cares enough to speak up when one that you love is headed down the wrong direction, the wrong path. And sometimes we all need someone who is going to speak truth into our life with love, who loves you enough to confront you when you're not living the right way. We see it throughout scripture. You remember the story, my wife reminded me of the story of Abigail and her husband when David, before he becomes king, is, is riding the countryside and he has dealings with David and he tries to, to rip David off. And Abigail says, this is a bad move, man. The next day, David comes with a mighty force and she protects her husband. She goes and tells the old man, which is her husband. And he is so terrified by what he almost encountered in a fierce David that he has um, a stroke and dies. And then David marries her. But she tried, right? Remember the story of King David after he has the affair with Bathsheba? Um, he's just kind of trying to fly under the radar. He thinks that nobody knows. Nathan the prophet comes to him, one of his best friends, and he confronts him. And he's like, look, you are living in a sinful way. You need to come back to the Lord. You need to make this right. He loved David enough to confront him with a hard truth. And when you are in marriage, when you are in a friendship relationship with somebody that is your best friend, you... Should not be complicit in their sin. Don't let it go without being spoken to. Because when you love someone, you're willing, you love them enough to challenge them. You love them enough to have the, the difficult conversation. And marriage is a shared journey. You have picked your battle buddy for life. Not to fight with, but to stand with. The most important relationship you have after your relationship with God is your spouse. That relationship should be more important than the relationship you have with your children, than the relationship you have with your parents, than the relationship you have with your friends, than the relationship you have with your job. Your spouse comes first. That also means that your spouse should be able to share hard truths with you and challenge you in a healthy way when you are tempted to go off the rails. And the truth is, is we're all tempted to go off the rails from time to time isaiah is saying in this passage ladies you are the ones who should have been speaking truth to your husbands now i get it that kind of relationship where you're able to speak truth into the one that you love the most is a challenging relationship because far too often the trust in marriage has been eroded over time through broken promises and hurtful words has anybody ever fought in marriage Tommy Nelson said, guys, never win a fight with your wife. Because if you win a fight with your wife, what does that mean? What does it mean? It means that your wife had to lose. And trust me, you don't want your wife to lose in a marriage. It's God's desire for your marriage to be filled with companionship and camaraderie and loyalty and support and laughter and encouragement, just to name a few. Now, I know that maybe there are marriages in this room that are not there today and you're struggling and you're trying to figure out whether you want to even continue in this union. And you're saying, Shane, I know that that sounds good, but in, in the real world, it doesn't work that way because we fight over money and we fight over sex and we fight over um, his mom and we fight over her mom and we fight over kids and we fight over where we want to live. We fight over whether we want to go to McDonald's or Burger King or neither. Listen, you chose your person you got to remember why you chose him in the beginning. And you got to start working to get back to that place. You can do it with the Lord's help through Jesus Christ. What's broken can be healed. Okay, let's get back on track. Let's get back to this text now. He's speaking to us about being able to confront people we love in truth because we care about them. When he talks about them being complicit in their husband's sin, now he tells us of a, what he's really speaking about is a vision of impending doom on a nation that's unaware. What he's saying is, is look, you guys have no idea what's coming. Have you ever had those moments in life where you say, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Sometimes those unexpected blessings uh, are great for life when they are good surprises, right? <laughs> it's when she leaned over and kissed you first when he got down on his knees and proposed. It's the first time you see that second blue line on your pregnancy test. It's the fourth time you see that second line on the little pregnancy test. Whoa, didn't see that coming. But sometimes those unpredictable moments bring real heartache and tragedy into our life. The results came back in their cancer. Whoa, didn't see that coming. You find out your spouse has been having an affair. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Your folks come in and announce that they're splitting up. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. You go to work and find out you've been let go. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. You get a letter from the mortgage company telling you that your house has been foreclosed. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Your child calls you from jail. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Your best friend takes their life. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. You see, that it's those... It's those moments that leave us broken and unsettled and lost. And what Isaiah is saying in this passage in chapter 32 is he's telling the women of Jerusalem that hard days are coming and he knows that they don't see it coming. And he's telling them that heartaches that they could never have planned for are on their way because regardless of what the heartache is, the truth is, is all of us face them, it doesn't matter what your socio- socioeconomic situation is. It doesn't matter what color you are, or what ethnicity you are, where you grew up in a small town or a city. It doesn't matter. The one thing that all of us share together and experience is, is that we all get to experience pain. But pain is relative. You can only understand pain as you've experienced in your context. You know what I mean? You can only understand pain... That you've experienced. Let me give you an example. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the great state of Indiana. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, we, a couple summers ago, we were in Georgia, and my wife is from Michigan. I'm from the great state of Indiana. Uh, you know, I, I felt like it was a mission field to marry her because she's from Michigan, but, you know, that's what the Lord put on my heart. So, but we love the Midwestern delicacy of corn on the cob. Yeah, yeah I love corn on the cob. So, one day we were sitting in Georgia and, we're, you know, just allowing our children to have this delicacy in our home. We are teaching them how to eat corn on the cob. You know, you put the butter on those little things that look like ears of corn and you put it in the microwave for 15 seconds and the butter is so hot. And then you roll the ear in it and then you get a gracious amounts of salt. And that's why we all die in the Midwest early because we gracious amount of salt. You put it on the cor- the ear of corn and then you take those things that are called corn skewers Every one of us has them in our house in the Midwest, right? You put them on the end of the ear, and then you taste of the succulents that God has given to you. So, a couple summers ago, my two girls are watching as I'm teaching them this time honored tradition, and um, I go to stick the skewers in the ends of the ear, of course, not my ear, but the ends of the ear, and I missed. And I stuck one of those suckers right into my finger. And let me tell you, do you think it went all the way through? Use your imagination. It's popping out the other side of my nail. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I might have screamed. I might have had tears in my eyes that I related to allergies. And I'm looking at my wife to help me. And she's like, suck it up, buttercup. Right? <laughs> In fact, she bought me a sign and put that on my dresser so that I see that each morning. And knowing what Rambo would do, I pulled the skewer out of my finger by myself. And I looked at my wife and I was like, sweetheart, this is more painful than childbirth. And I think her response, I can't recall exactly what she said, but she was neither amused nor impressed. Ladies, can you understand that? Here's the deal. Pain is relative. We can only understand pain in our context by what we've experienced. It's relative. The first time you skinned your knee, did it hurt? The first time you skinned your knee, you were in pain, but you could never even begin to comprehend the pain of reconstructive knee surgery until you've had it. You could only understand the pain of a skinned knee. Do both hurt? Of course they do. And what Isaiah is saying is, is you are going to have pain in your life that's going to come unexpectedly, unexpectedly to you, and you have no idea the amount of pain that you're going to have to suffer. So get your life right. So get your life right is what Isaiah is saying to the nation of Israel and specifically to Jerusalem and specifically to these wives of these men who have caused great grief in their country. He's saying, live the life that God has called you to stop being distracted and lulled into a sense of apathy because of the comfort of life. He says, it's time to repent. Now, repent sounds a lot like a church word. We speak Christianese from time to time in here. We don't even know what we're saying. We just know that other people say these words and that people smile and nod when they're said. So we say these church words, these Christianese. We talk to each other. We don't really know what we're saying, but we think that it sounds good. Maybe we heard it from an elder in our church. Maybe we heard it from our grandparents when they prayed. Whatever. We speak Christianese. And the word repent kind of goes along with fire, hell, brimstone, burning, gnashing of teeth, all of those wonderful adjectives. And then we have repent. The word repent simply means changing direction. If I'm headed this way, it means changing direction and heading back to the way that I need to go. And friends, when the Bible tells us to repent, when Isaiah is talking to these people, he's saying you need to turn back to God. Turn away from what you're doing. Turn back to God because friends, this is the truth. Our repentance isn't for God. It's for you. Listen, God is still where he always has been. He's always waiting for you. He created you. He knows you. He puts you together in your mother's womb. He has called you and he wants, He knows you by name. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He knows what's going to cause you pain. He knows what's going to break your heart. And he wants to keep you from that. He's saying, turn back to me. Come back to me. Because until you do, you're going to suffer incredible amounts of pain. Not because that's what he wants for you, but because he knows what that's what life has for you. Repentance isn't for God. He doesn't need to repent. Repentance is for you because he cares about you and he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And I think we miss that sometimes. And if you want to inflict great damage in your life, walk away from God. Move him down the priority list. And friends, let me just tell you, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And what is it? absolutely insane to me is sometimes we're willing to inflict great damage to ourselves and the ones that we love simply because we're stubborn patricia martinelli was the first wife of a guy by the name of gucci do you know who gucci is anybody have gucci in here don't raise your hand because i want you to get robbed on the way out But she was his first wife. Gucci, after being married for a time, decided to have an affair on her. And so she decided to hire a hitman to execute him. And they did. And she and the hitman both ended up going to jail. After 14 years of jail, since she's not the one who pulled the trigger, they came to her and offered her an early release. But the contingency was she had to be willing to work in the prison to get release. You know what she said? I've never worked a day in my life. I'm certainly not going to start now. And so she sat in prison for another five years until she finally fulfilled her sentence. She would rather sit in jail and not work than have freedom and be released. Here's the deal when we sin, we create prisons of our own hands. We hold on so tightly to that addiction, that illicit relationship, uh, the harsh words, the way that we treat people, the way that we engage with God, that we build prisons for ourselves. And sometimes we are so stubborn that we are unwilling to give that sin or that foothold up to the enemy. We don't want to release it. We don't want to get better. We don't want to feel that priest because we want to hold on to that addiction, that sin, that, that prison, those shackles. And God wants to give you freedom. Cord said a few weeks ago, I think he said this. If he didn't, then don't tell him that I said this. But I think this is what he said. The Bible says it anyway. Confession is the first step to healing. Every 12-step program that's ever been created in the history of humanity says the very first step to getting over an addiction is What? Acknowledging that you have a problem. Hi, my name is Shane. And I'm addicted to loving my wife. Hey, you guys clapped for me, and that wasn't even in my notes. Listen, you can't fight a sin that you're not willing to say that you have. You have an addiction, you're having an affair, you're stealing money. You're into pornography. Until you're willing to face the fact that it's got a hold of you, you're not going to be free. But the second thing is, is God doesn't want empty, hollow words from you. He doesn't want you just to acknowledge it. He wants you to act on it. He wants you to repent, change away from that thing that's been holding you as uh, as a prisoner That's the next step. And friends, the reality is we all have sin in our life. Paul said that he is the chief of all sinners. And I bet my wife could tell you that I'm a sinner too. I mean, I don't think I am, but she thinks I am. And if you don't know what your sin is, ask your spouse. Ask your best friend. They'll tell you if they're truthful. God wants you to be changed. He wants you to be free. And Isaiah says, as long as the daughters of Jerusalem continue ignoring God, as long as the nation was turning away from God, there would be pain, there would be challenges, and there would be brokenness. There would be no change, no healing, no coming back to God until they needed God. Because sometimes the struggle is what sharpens our faith. I love the story of a guy who uh, was with his son there walking through the woods, and they came upon a caterpillar. And this caterpillar was halfway out of the cocoon and it turned into a beautiful butterfly and you could see it was struggling. He's like, I need to help this caterpillar. So he got out of his pocket knife and he made a little, the hole a little bit bigger. And when he did that, out fell a half-formed caterpillar, half blob that fell to the ground. What he didn't know is that it's through the struggle of getting through the cocoon that the butterfly pushes fluid through its wings. Uh, to make them strong enough to fly. And it's the struggle that transforms it from the caterpillar into the butterfly. Sometimes we have to go through that process of fighting to find healing. Maybe that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They help us to learn to endure and endurance develops strength of character in us and character strengthens our confident expectation Of salvation, C.S. Lewis Lewis was a a skeptic who became a Christian, but he didn't get married till later in life. In fact, he was older than I was, which was like ancient, right? But he writes in the uh, in his book, "The Problem of Pain." He says, "God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world." After just a little bit of time. With this woman that he fell in love with, she ended up dying of bone cancer. And he wrote another book under a pseudonym. And in that that book he says, you never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood become a matter of life and death to you. When you're facing death, you find out what you believe. Let's look at the rest of this passage because I want you to see the hope. It says in um, Isaiah chapter 31. Can we bring that up? Do we have it? Okay, Isaiah thirty one 32 says this. It says, Wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers until at last the Spirit is poured out on us from heaven. Then the wilderness will become a fertile field and the fertile field will yield beautiful crops. Justice will rule in the wilderness and righteousness in the fertile fields. And this confidence and this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in safety quietly at home. They will be at rest. Even if the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down, the Lord will greatly bless his people. Wherever, the plants see, wherever they plant seed, Bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and their donkeys will graze freely. Friends, there's hope. Even in the destruction of Jerusalem, he was saying someday there will be hope. And did you know that hope may be one of the most singularly powerful words in the English language? It may be one of the most powerful words in any language. When the Spirit is poured out from heaven, that which has been ravaged will be restored. I don't want you to miss that. When there is hope, when the Spirit is poured out from heaven, those that have been ravaged will find restoration. When your life has been destroyed, God can bring peace and beauty back into it. When your life has been damaged, He can reconstruct it. When your life has been shattered like glass on the street, He can take those pieces of broken glass and build a beautiful mosaic. So don't miss this. Israel had been living outside of the spirit of heaven's influence. And when the hard times came, the people will turn back to God. When the spirit is poured out from heaven, a change will take place. First in the nation, the hearts of the people, and then in their circumstances. So here's the application, right? I'm going to leave you with if your life has been devastated by circumstances or even your own choices, if you repent, if you confess and then repent, God can make what's broken beautiful again. He can take you out of the valley and bring you back to the mountaintop. Your life is not over. Your story is not being finished, being written yet. You still have hope. There still is time. God can do a miracle in your life. Do you believe that today? I don't know how many of you saw America Has Talent this last week, but in it, there was a young girl. Her name's Jane Markowski who's 30, and she performs by the stage name of Nightbird. In the last couple of years, she's faced cancer three times. They told her a year ago that she had only three to six months to live and 2% chance of surviving the treatments. But she believed that God was going to give her a miracle. Now, she stood up. She had a conversation with Simon. Um, she told her story. And um, she said, I don't want people to define me by my pain, by my circumstances. Basically, that's what she said. She said, you can't wait until life is hard, isn't hard is hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Now, what you may not know is that she used to lead worship. She is a Christian. She is committed in the midst of her cancer struggle, her husband left her and divorced her. But she's not given up. They said, I can't believe you only have 2% chance of living. She said, hey, 2% is better than 0%. I have a choice. I have an opportunity. God can still heal me. Now, listen, friends, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you find yourself on the edge of the precipice. If you feel like your life is over, as long as you've got opportunity, as long as God has got your back, you have a chance of hope. You have a chance of resurrection. You have a chance of restoration. There is a chance that God can take what is broken and bring back to life that which is dead. You have an opportunity as you live in the presence of god himself. So don't give up don't back down Don't quit the fight because he's not going to quit on you He's still going to be where he is. He's still going to be waiting for you He's still going to be calling out to you. He knows your name. He created you in your mother's womb. He has a plan for you So don't give up So confess what you need to confess to the lord turn away from the sin in your life and turn back to God. Don't wait to confront the people in your life that you love because that's what love does. Friends, today the Lord has given you a challenge. Will you take it? Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for the way that you love us. And God, thank you for never quitting on us. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for not throwing us on the trash heap of eternity. Lord, we know, we know that you have created us to live out a great story with the twists and turns and the whoa did not see that coming moments because you love us. Give us fight today, Lord. Help us to trust in you and turn back to you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.